eternal, righteous, and invisible Father in heaven. Your children are gathered here once again to worship you and to hear your word spoken to us. We pray, Father, that you grant to us graciously of wisdom and knowledge and understanding from above. I also ask, Father, that you put your words in my mouth and give me utterance. That as we study your word from scripture to scripture, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, that you will deeply impress on our hearts the changes that needs to be made in our lives and give us grace to really affect them. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. That I may know him. February 8. Tender, loving, compassionate. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. Psalm chapter 86 verse 15 God has ordained, according to the law of ministry, that we should comfort one another in tenderness and love when great sorrows come upon us. No man liveth unto himself, no one dieth unto himself. Life and death both mean something to every human being. God has enjoined the duty upon his human agents to communicate the character of God, testifying to his grace, his wisdom, and his benevolence by manifesting his refined, tender, merciful love. Jesus was ever touched with human woe, and our hearts should be softened and subdued by his Holy Spirit that we may be like him. Our work is to restore the moral image of God in man through the abundant grace given us of God by Jesus Christ. Everywhere, we shall find souls ready to die, and how essential it is that the compassion of Christ shall be given us of him, in order that we may never place one soul in defiance by not manifesting long forbearance and pitying tenderness. I inquire, will we ever learn the gentleness of Christ? Oh, how much we need to know Jesus and our Heavenly Father that we may represent Him in character. Jesus calls us to Himself, not simply to refresh us with His grace and presence for a few hours, and then to send us forth from His light to walk apart from Him in sadness and gloom. No, no. He tells us that we must abide with him and he with us. Wherever his work is to be done, he is present, tender, loving, and compassionate. He has prepared for you and me an abiding, dwelling place in himself. He is our refuge. Our experience should broaden and deepen. Jesus has opened up all the divine fullness of his inexpressible love and he declares to you ye are laborers together with God 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 9 oh what meaning these words have abide in me John 15 verse 4 take my yoke upon you Matthew 11 verse 29 will we take it for the promise is ye shall find rest 
unto your souls. There is rest, complete rest in abiding in Christ. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Tender, Loving, Compassionate. As we look at the character of God, we have seen it since the past when we have been looking at missionary to the poor and in our devotion yesterday, the pattern man, what we have been seeing is another side of God and it is his, the side of him that is sympathetic, that is tender, that is loving, that is compassionate. And we want to go into this character of God but from the perspective strictly of looking at human woe. When we looked at the poor, missionary to the poor, Part of those who are qualified as the poor are those that are sick. But it's not every sick person that is poor. Some people are sick but they are not poor. And others, their sickness has brought them to poverty. And others, it is not the sickness that brought them to poverty. They were already poor and then they became sick. But whichever way, God wants us to be like him. And that is to be tender, loving and compassionate to those who are passing passing through pain. It may not be sickness, it may be sorrow. People are in a state of mourning for something that is worth mourning for. And one thing we read today is that we are all touched by something, and that is life and death. No one dieth unto himself, and no one liveth unto himself. Life and death both mean something to every human being. When people pass on, it touches someone. At the sight of the dead, we are touched. Our whole soul is moved, even the atheist understands and people mourn and they cry. What does Jesus think about these things and how does he respond to it? John 11.35 says, concerning the time when Lazarus had died, Jesus wept. His weeping, though not necessarily for the death of Lazarus, because he knew he could resurrect Lazarus, so that was not what was making him weep. But it was because of the people that were weeping around him for their lack of faith that Jesus wept. And we can weep along with Jesus. It is not unmanly to weep. That's one thing we need to understand. It is not unmanly to weep. It is not a sign of weakness to show compassion towards someone else. Early in life, you see, this lack of compassion is shown in the family and parents. We need to be careful to teach our children to be compassionate. You find out that sometimes when one of the inmates of the home, one of the children is sick. Sometimes the other children lose compassion because they are jealous of the attention that the sick person is receiving. Parents, you should teach your children not to be jealous of the sick. Sometimes when children are sick, the parents indulge them or they give them greater attention than they give to others and the other children are looking and they 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 are jealous and because of that jealousy, They refuse to show compassion. They withhold their bowels of mercy. And they should be corrected in this matter. So when unfortunate things happen, whether it is sickness, the loss of a loved one, God is very merciful and pitiful. If we may know God appropriately, this aspect of God's character is very important and should not be missed. So let's look into it more deeply. What is the meaning of compassion? Compassion means a deep awareness of the suffering of another, coupled with a wish to relieve them of that suffering. So, 
when you see people passing through woe, maybe sickness or the loss of a loved one or they are mourning over something else that they lost. It could be an accident. Our hearts is to be called out in compassion, to be aware of how much this person is suffering in this sickness, in this accident, in the loss of a loved one or in the loss of any other thing. It could be a job also and people are weeping. Yes, yes, we know that there's a way people can weep out of a lack of faith, but nevertheless, we should be compassionate. And what we mean by compassionate is I will be aware of the suffering and let there be a desire deep inside us to see what we can do to relieve the suffering. In Psalms 148, in Psalms 145, verse 8 and 9, it says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. When Moses requested that he wanted to see God, God said, Come to the mountain, I will declare my glory to you. Exodus 34, verse 5 and 7, 5 to 7 says, And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And that will by no means clear the guilty. I'll stop there. This is the character of God. Look at it there. Merciful, gracious, long-suffering. And abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands. That is the character of God. If we want to know Him, that is Him. When people experience the kind of things that we call, like I've described earlier, sorrowful experiences, especially the things that have to do with life and death, it's a time to show tender mercy, the tender mercies of God and His loving compassion towards the victims of these unfortunate events. And if there is one person that we can use to understand this, how God shows his tender mercies, is the story of Job. The book of James 5 verse 11 says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Job's story is one that we can use to learn pity and compassion how to be compassionate, how to be tender, and how to be loving, as we see God's tenderness and mercies reflected on him. The story of Job is a popular one. The devil requested to torment him. God had pointed out Job as a person who was perfect and eschewed evil. And the devil requested to take away his properties. The devil took away all his properties, including Ten of his children, which include, which means all his children. In one day, Job lost all his children, all his camels, all his herdsmen, and their herd, and the herd itself, and all his wealth. Just call it that. And his wealth was great; it was much. He lost everything in one day. And Job did not depart from God. Then Satan requested in Job chapter two, reading from verse three. The Lord said unto Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? And still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now, and touch his bone, 
and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord, and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown, and he took him a potshed to scrape himself withal, and he sat down among the ashes. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Cause God and die. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. So you can imagine the, the sickness Job was passing through, struck with boils from the top of his head to the sole of his foot. You know, when you have things like chicken pox, measles, and mite infestation, they spare your face sometimes. They spare your hands, your palms, under your feet. But Job's own, no part of his body was spared from the top of his head to the sole of his foot. And that is just a very concise description of what Job passed through. When you read the book of Job, you will hear him talk about how he could not sleep, how he feels pain all over his body, how in his dreams he was even troubled. This boils was just a part of it. It was deeper than that. He had fevers, he had pains in his body, his tongue cleaved, as in his tongue itself was affected by the sickness. That's how bad it was. But we're looking at how to be tender, compassionate. We want to see the relation between Job's friends and himself. It's a very interesting story, so follow me. I'm going to be reading a lot of Bible passages. Job is a book that many people neglect. People don't even read it so much, but I want to go through it little by little. We are going to see how not to show compassion, how not to treat people that are sick, how not to treat people who are facing misfortune, whether they are sinful or not. That's what we want to look at. And when we see the wrong that Job's friends did, we will learn what we should not do, knowing very well that the opposite is what we should do. So let's dive into it. Job 2 from verse 11 to 13. To tell us the depth of this Job's sickness, it says, Now, when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that was come upon him, they came every one from his own place Eliphaz the Temanite, and Bildad the Shuite, and Zophar the Namathite. For they had made an appointment together to come to mourn with him and to comfort him. Amen. It's a good thing. This is what we're learning, to be tender, loving, and compassionate. They had heard that Job lost all his wealth, and now he was struck with illness, and they organized as friends. Let us go together. It's not a bad thing. They called one another, let's go together and go and weep with Job. But let us see what happens. Verse 12, it says, And when they lifted up their eyes afar off, and knew him not, they could not recognize him. They lifted up their voice and wept, and they rent everyone his mantle and sprinkled dust upon their heads towards heaven. Verse 13 says, So they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spoke a word unto him, for they saw that his grief was very great. My, oh my. Can you imagine how bad this was? I commend these men for what they did. You see, there are some suffering that you see people pass through that you cannot say a word because you know that you cannot assuage their grief. I remember a time when I went for an evangelism somewhere and we knocked on the door, and my, I and my friend, we knocked on the door 
entered into that place intending with our Bibles to preach the gospel to those who were in the house. The person told us to come in. The door was open and we came in and sat down. And as we were about to preach, we noticed the person was lying down on a bed. And there was someone else there with him. As we dropped our Bibles to begin to talk, we sat there silent like the the friends of Job. We could not say a word. A gaping wound, very wide open, was at the back of this man towards his the lower part of his spinal cord, the back part of it, wide open. You could see in through this man's body. And there was his elder brother tending the wound, cleaning it and taking care of him. We could say absolutely nothing. The grief of the man was great, although he was not shouting and writhing in pain. But because of what we saw with our eyes, we could see nothing. I can relate with what Job's friends did here. They were compassionate. And sometimes, just sitting down there like they did for seven days shows your care. It shows how compassionate and merciful and tender you are. That they sat down there with Job. They did not say, I'm going back to my family. They remained there for seven days and seven nights. And the reason was because they know that this suffering is too great. What are we going to say? They saw that the grief was great. But something happened. After seven days, they began to allow the devil to make them lose compassion. The first person to speak among them was Eliphaz. And what did the Eliphaz do? He started to accuse Job of being an unrighteous man. There is a tendency to think that when bad things happen, they only happen to bad people. But this notion is wrong. And we are entering upon the judgment seat like we learned yesterday, judge not. We are not supposed to do that. This is not compassionate and it's not merciful. But this is what Eliphaz and his friends did. Job chapter 4, reading from verse 1 downward, you will see the kind of things Eliphaz said, accusing Job of being a sinful man. Verse 7, he says, Remember, I pray thee, whoever perished being innocent, or where were the righteous cut off? Even as I have seen, they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. By the blast of God they perish, and by the breath of his nostrils they are consumed. These were the words that Eliphaz said to a man that was sick, telling him that this kind of thing does not happen to wicked people. I've never seen it happen. It's only to the unrighteous that it happens. If you were innocent, you will not be here. This is the blast of God that is upon you because of your sins. But Job was listening to all of this. And in verse 12, Eliphaz continued to double down on his lack of compassion. He said, Now, a thing was secretly brought to me, and mine ear received a little thereof. In the thoughts from the visions of the night, when deep sleep falleth on men, fear came upon me, and trembling, which made all my bones to shake. Then a spirit passed by before my face. The hair of my flesh stood up. It stood still, but I could not descend the form thereof. An image was before mine eyes. There was silence, and I heard a voice saying, Shall mortal man be more just than God? Shall a man be more pure than his maker? In all of this, what was Eliphaz saying? Eliphaz was accusing Job of being an unrighteous man. Job responded to Eliphaz, not defending himself, but basically talking about what he's passing through, that he's suffering. While he was complaining about his suffering, Bildad was listening. Instead of Bildad to be touched by Job's suffering, what did Bildad do? 
uh, Bildad accused Job's children of being grievous sinners. Job chapter 8, reading from verse 1 to 4, Then answered Bildad the Shuite and said, How long wilt thou speak these things, and how long shall the words of thy mouth be like a strong wind? Does God pervert judgment, or does the Almighty pervert justice? If your children have sinned against him, and he cast them away for their transgression, if thou wouldest seek unto God betimes, and make thy supplication, to the Almighty, if you were pure and upright, surely now he would awake for thee and make the habitation of thy righteousness prosperous. These were words spoken by Bildad to a man who was sick. So here is someone concluding that because of the way all the children of Job died, then they must have been sinners. He misrepresents God. Even if they were sinners, is that God's way of dealing with human beings? To strike sinners dead in one blow and just because they are sinning? Why then did he die for them? Satan is behind this. He tries to clothe God with his own attributes. He is the one who kills and destroys and stirs up wicked men to oppress the innocent. After doing this, God intervenes. He then makes it look like it was God, that is the wicked one, that struck the sinner. Other times, the sinners who are under Satan's control, Satan himself destroys them and then blames God for destroying the sinner. When the sinner places themselves under Satan's control, it is even God through his angels that withholds the devil from destroying them completely. You see the drug addict, you see the meth addict, you see those who are taking alcohol and into many bad behaviors. They owe it to God that they still live. It is not God that destroys. Left for the devil, he wants to destroy them right now in one blow. He is the one who does the destruction. Should God withhold his restraining power, the devil will sweep them. Whole cities will be swept off. But it is not God who will do it. The devil will be the one. But after doing it, he will say it's God that did it. How is the character of God? Lamentations 3 verse 22 and 23 says, If it is, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. It is not of Satan's mercy of the Lord's mercy. That's why whole cities are not consumed. That is why whole many sinners are continuing to sin and nothing happens to them. The Lord's mercy, it says in verse 23, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Verse 32 downward says, but though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For he doth not afflict willingly, nor grieve the children of men, to crush under his feet all the prisoners of the earth, to turn aside the right of a man before the face of the Most High, to subvert a man in his cause the Lord approveth not. Who is he that saith, and it cometh to pass, when the Lord has not commanded? Out of the mouth of the Most High proceeded not evil and good. So Bildad continues, he attacks Job, says Job is not righteous. He then tells Job to check whether his ancestors are not sinners themselves. In Job chapter 8, reading from verse 8 downward, he says a lot of evil things, accusing Job of being an evildoer. In verse 20, he says, Behold, God will not cast away a perfect man, neither will he help the evildoers, till he fill thy mouth with laughing, and thy lips with rejoicing. In other words, you are... God cannot cast out a perfect man. But look at you, you are cast out. It must be that you are a sinner. That's basically what he's saying. God will not cast out a perfect man. But you are cast out. You are not a perfect man. Your hands are not clean. That's what Jude Bildad is saying. Evil things only happen to sinners. And if Job were perfect, these things will not be happening. The evidence of his great sin is the misery that he's passing through. And if Job repents, all will be well. 
once again, Bildad represent, misrepresents the character of God as though he is only good to the righteous. But is God only good to the righteous? What do we see around us and what does Jesus teach? We will look at what we see around us and what Jesus said. Jesus said in the book of Matthew 5, verse 44 and 45, But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that cause you, do good to them that hate you, pray for those which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. In the rendition in Luke 6 verse 35 and 36, it puts it this way. After saying, love your enemies, do good and all of that, it says that you shall be as the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil be ye therefore merciful as your father also is merciful so what bildad was saying about god is that true that god is only good to the perfect and to the wicked he will cast them out and destroy them and all of that is that true no it is wrong to think that because people are not serving god therefore we are not to do good or to be merciful to them to know god in its excellency is to understand this fundamental truth that God is good even to his enemies and we are to be good to our enemies. God is good to the and kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Bildad thoughts about God and his understanding on how to treat Job even if he were a sinner is completely wrong. Even if Job was a sinner, what, Job, what Bildad was saying to him was wrong. That's not how to show compassion. But Job then defends himself. As if what these two men had said was not bad enough. The third friend of Job, which is Zophar, under the influence of Satan, digs even deeper and says even more piercing words. He sees all that has happened to Job and then says to him in effect that he deserves even worse than what was happening to him. Job 11 reading from verse 1, Zophar said, should not the multitude of words be answered? Because Job had been responding to both Bildad and Eliphaz. He said, should not the multitude of words be answered? And should a man full of talk be justified? Should thy lies make men hold their peace? And when thou mockest, shall no man make thee ashamed? For thou hast said, My doctrine is pure, and I am clean in thine eyes. But O oh, that God will speak and open his lips against you. That's Job. God should speak against you. And in verse 6, hear what he said. He says, And he will show thee the secrets of wisdom, that they are double to that which is. Know therefore that God exacted of thee, less than thine iniquity deserve it. Wow. To a sick man, this is what Zophar is saying. In other words, he's saying to a man that has lost all his possessions, suffering in sickness, lost all his children, in great distress, that what he is passing through is only half, that's the word he used, that is supposed to be double, but this is just half of what it should be. He says, God has exacted to you less than what your iniquity actually deserves. He then charges Job to search himself and repent of his iniquities. You can see that in Job 11 verse 14 to 20. But I like Job's response. Job responds, saying, That is not difficult to stand on the other side and watch those in affliction and think that your own righteousness has preserved you from being in a similar condition than them. He rebukes them for their lack of sympathy and compassion, telling them that if they didn't know what to say, they should just keep quiet. That it would have been their wisdom and it would have been a lot better. I'll read it. I like it. Job 31, Job 13 from verse 1 to 5. Job said, Lo, mine eye had seen all of this. Mine ear had heard and understood it. What you know, the same do I know also. I am not inferior to you. Surely I will speak to the Almighty and I desire to reason with God. But you are forgers of lies. You are all physicians of no value. 
Oh, that you would altogether hold your peace and it should be your wisdom. Amen. This is what we become when we start to assume in people's lives because of their sickness and say, oh, it is because of their sin. Is it not this one that was committing adultery or that lady that did this or did that? God has visited him with punishment now. He has cancer. He's dying. She has HIV. She's dying. Good for her. You are forgers of lies when you do that. Be very careful. We should be careful not to be physicians of no value. Like Job said, keep quiet. That would be your wisdom. And this is the case. The seven days of silence of these three men was better for them than when they opened their mouth and started to speak. That mouth would have better remained shut rather than to speak words that were like the piercing of an arrow to a man that was passing through sorrow. Job then continues to speak to them. Job 13 from verse 6, he says, Hear now my reasoning and hearken to the pleadings of my lips. Would you speak wickedly for God? and talk deceitfully for him? Will you accept his person? Will you contend for God? Is it good that he should set you out, or as a one man mocketh another, do you so mock him? He will surely reprove you. If you do secretly accept persons, shall not his excellency make you afraid, and his dread fall upon you? Your remembrance are like unto ashes, your bodies to bodies of clay. Hold your peace, let me alone, that I may speak, and let come on me what will. Wherefore do I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in my hand? This was Job, part of Job's response to them. Job then spoke of death and the misfortune as something that happens to all men. And that's one thing we should understand. Righteous people have cancer and they die. They get diabetes. They get high blood pressure. They get accidents. Unfortunate events happen to righteous people. Stop thinking that the reason it hasn't happened to you is because you are a better person. When you think that way, you cannot be compassionate. You cannot be tender and merciful like our Lord Jesus. Job said in Job 14 verse 1 and downward, Man that is born of a woman is of few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. And dost thou open your Turn from him that he may rest, till he shall accomplish as an hire in his day. So what basically Job is saying here in verse 1 and 2 is that every man that is born of a woman, our days are full of trouble. There's nobody that's not going to pass through one trouble or the other. The trouble is not an indication of righteousness or unrighteousness. Every man passes through it. We all come like a flower and then later we are cut down. We flee as a shadow and we don't continue. We all die. So that's what Job was telling them. But Eliphaz, Eliphaz, he continued. He now accuses Job and says, Job, I have concluded, Job has no fear of God in him. These things he's saying shows he has no fear of God. Job 15, reading from verse 1, he says, Then answered Eliphaz the Temanite and said, Should a wise man utter vain knowledge and fill his belly with the east wind? Should he reason with unprofitable talk? Or with speeches wherewith he can do no good? Yea, thou casteth off fear and restrainest prayer before God. For thy mouth uttereth thine iniquity, and thou choosest the tongue of the crafty. Thine own mouth condemneth thee, and not I. Yea, thine own lips testify against thee. Art thou the first man that was born, or was thou made before the hills? 
Hast thou heard the secret of God, and dost thou restrain wisdom to thyself? What knowest thou that we know not? What understandest thou which is not in us? With us are both the grey-headed and very aged men, much elder than your father. Are the consolations of God small with thee? Is there any secret thing with thee? Why doth thine heart carry thee away, and what do thy eyes wink at? That thou turnest thy spirit against God, and lettest such words go out of your mouth. What is man that he should be clean, and he which is born of a woman, that he should be righteous? Here again, he's accusing Job of being an unrighteous man. And I'll skip further in Job 22. He, he still accused Job and said to him, Is thy wickedness, is not thy wickedness great and thine iniquities infinite? For thou hast taken a pledge. He's even mentioning the sin. He does remember yesterday when we read about Job. Job talked about how he always helped the poor. Here his friend starts accusing him. This thing is happening to you because you did not you are very rich and you never gave to the poor. Verse 6. He says, For thou hast taken a pledge from thy brother for naught, and stripped the naked of thy clothing, thou hast not given water to the weary to drink, and thou hast withholden bread from the hungry. But as for the mighty man, he had the earth, and the honourable man dwelt in it. Thou hast sent widows away, empty, and the arms of the fatherless have been broken. Therefore, snares are round about thee. Can you see that? He said, It is because of these things that you did that this evil has come upon you. Snares are round about thee, and sudden fear troubled thee, or darkness that thou cannot see, the abundance of waters covered thee. In yesterday's devotion, we saw Job as an example of someone who did not neglect the widow, he did not neglect the fatherless and the poor. But his friend, the life was saying, the reason why you are passing through all of this, all your children taken away, your wealth taken away, and you are in affliction, is because you were always taking things from the poor, they are pledged and you will not give it to them. You did not help the widow, you did not help the fatherless. And this is what some people do to sick people. I remember the situation. I know when my own dad was sick of cancer. Some people will come to him and say, oh, go to, go to the hospital. Go and pray for the sick. Go from one bed to another so that you can pray for every sick person. I know when, okay, I know how it is that I've heard some people tell others that are sick that they should go tell the women, go to the hospitals if you want to be well. If you want your husband to get well, go to the hospitals. Go and pray for every sick person one by one. Buy things for them so that God would have mercy on you. That is basically what the life has been saying. People still do it today. Then Bildad in Job 20 still said more evil things about Job which I may not go through all of them, but you get the point. Now, Job in Job 16 said something very important. Job answered and said, I have heard many such things. Miserable comforters are ye all. Shall vain words have an end? Or what emboldened thee that thou answerest? I also could speak like you. If your soul were in my soul's stead, I could heap up words against you and shake my head at you. But I will strengthen you with my mouth, and the moving of my lips should assuage your grief. Though I speak, my grief is not assuaged, and though I forbear, what am I eased? In other words, he's saying, if I talk, you people will not still speak well. If I keep quiet, you people will still say evil things about me. And then he continues to say, oh my, now he has made me weary, thou has made desolate all my company. Thou has filled me with wrinkles. This is, the, this is what Job was passing through, it's not just the boils. He says his body had turned black. 
He says, Thou hast filled me with wrinkles, which is a witness against me, and my leanness. So he was now looking very lean. Leanness rising in me beareth witness to my face. He teareth me in his wrath, who hated me. He gnasheth upon me with his teeth. Mine enemy sharpeneth his eyes upon me. But now, they that are younger than I have me in their region, whose fathers I would have disdained to have set with the dogs of my flock. Yea, whereto might the strength of their hands profit me, in whom old age was perished. For want and famine they were solitary, fleeing into the wilderness in the former time, desolate and waste. What I'm reading now is from Job chapter 30, from verse 1 down to verse 6. So I could go on and on. But this is what Job had said. But one thing we can learn from what Job said in the book of Job 16 is not what he complained about. He said his friends were miserable comforters because of the things they were saying. But look at what he said he would have done. Job said that if he was in in their position, what he would have done is to strengthen the sick with his mouth and the moving of his lips would assuage the grief of the sick. That is what he said. Not to come and heap words upon those who are afflicted, making them think that it is you who did this that has caused this upon you. Evil things happen to many people. Even good people, evil things happen to them. If we must be tender and compassionate like God, we must learn to help those who are in difficult situations with words of comfort, words of encouragement. Don't bring words of condemnation to make them feel, even if you know that they were the ones who brought themselves to that condition. Once you are sensitive to the fact that this person has understood that it is their lifestyle that brought them to this, be careful not to double down on it. Be careful not to pierce them with their errors, with their sins, to make them feel like, oh, it is your sin that caused it. No need to keep repeating it again and again and again when they already know. You are only increasing their misery. What they need at that time are words of comfort and words to assuage their grief. Now, in Job 42, reading from verse 7, we see there that God came and rebuked Job's friends to show that he was not in support of everything they were saying. It was, it says in verse, it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends, for you have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my, as my servant Job hath. Therefore, then he told them, to atone for their sins in making sacrifices and Job prayed for them and the captivity of Job was taken away and Job was healed. As we have gone through the story of Job with his friends, I believe you have learned lessons of what we should do and what we should not do to those who are passing through sorrow, pain, death. Some would even as much as call those who are passing through these kind of things to laugh at them. Do you have the spirit of God in you? No, you don't, certainly. If you are pleased at the news that someone has lost, lost a loved one, it's the spirit of Satan that is in you. Not the spirit of God, but that of God, the spirit of Christ, will be tender, compassionate, and gentle towards those who are passing through sorrow. And it doesn't have to be righteous people, even those who are wicked. The word of God says God is good even to the evil and to the unkind. God is kind to them. Like we read in our devotion in conclusion, the time we know him, page 45, paragraph 2. God has ordained, according to the law of ministry, that we should comfort one another in tenderness and love when great sorrows come upon us. No man liveth unto himself, no man dieth unto himself. 
life and death both mean something to every, every human being. God has enjoined the duty upon his human agents to communicate the character of God, testifying to his grace, his wisdom and his benevolence by manifesting his refined, tender, merciful love. Jesus was ever touched with human woe and our hearts should be softened and subdued by his Holy Spirit that we may be like him. Amen. Let us pray. Thank you, dear Father, for these words that we have heard. Forgive us for the times when we have thought that it is a sign of weakness to show compassion or to weep with those that weep. Forgive us for the times that we have been like the friends of Job, judging those who are ill and piercing it upon them to make them feel like it is their sins that has brought them where they are. And we know that that may be the case for many. But teach us, Lord, to be like you, to be tender, to be loving, to be compassionate, to know the words to speak to those who are suffering, to know the things we can do to assuage and relieve them a bit from their grief and their sorrow. We all will pass through sorrowful experiences as far as we live. And it's, we know that we ought to, to help those who are in such situations. So touch our hearts, O Lord, and give us a heart of flesh and not a heart of stone, that we may be tender and loving and compassionate. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This message was brought to you by the Angel with a Strong Voice, a ministry dedicated to preparing people to stand true to God and be ready for His imminent return. For more information and free online resources, please visit www.tawas.org. That is www.tawasv.org or contact info at stars.org